Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I might chip out, man. I got this, yeah. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time to listen to Reese and Dan on the Angle Pick Pod. What up, everybody? We are back. Finally, it's been a long week. Danny interrupted me on the get-go. We've had some Wi-Fi issues. We've had some comings and goings, but we're finally ready to go. We're back. It's been a long week, honestly, guys, uh, not having the podcast to do. It felt weird. But we got both of the Quartz brothers, Danny and Kobe. And Kobe, your special day today. Happy birthday, buddy. Thank you, guy. No days thank, off. Thank you. Actually, no yeah, we decided in the pre-show it's his baseball year. 27 outs, 27 years. That's it. And it's also his Adrian Yanez year as well. Happy birthday, Adrian Yanez. Okay. So and Max Griffin and, and Felicia Spencer. And, yeah, we don't Felicia mention Spencer. Felicia Spencer. Um, okay, because we're talking UFC and she's, you know, on her way out. Okay. So let's talk Turkey. We're talking UFC fight night, Misha Tate v Sorry, my Kellen Vieira. Yeah, sorry, Kellen Vieira. Sorry, I was, get, I was getting a phone call. I want to make sure it wasn't buzzing on the thing. Okay. Can't Kevin forget Vegas 43. Misha Tate, UCF, UFC Vegas 43, UCF. And I had a notoriously red card for all those Twitter followers. They're aware. They're probably angry. Dan, you've had some rumblings that you were green? Yeah. Um, I lost on my half-unit props and my one-unit JoJo, but everything that was multiple units or more than one X, I think I played one and a half units on Sean Brady. But um, – Everything that was more than one X hit, so we we ended up in the green. Can't be really too mad. That um, over four and a half solidified it in the main event. I know that there was a lot, a little bit, not a lot of outrage about people that scored it for Misha Tate, but I think if you scored that for Misha Tate, you don't know what you're watching. No, I agree. It was I had forty nine forty six to be honest. In in yep. obviously in favor of Vieira. Okay, so let's start off where we always start off. And it's it's becoming just routine at this point. But the ankle lock, another winner. Cody Durden advances the ankle lock to Country Club. What, twenty seven and twelve? Exactly, twenty seven and twelve. Twenty seven and twelve. But but he had to dig deep for it. Uh, yeah. I, I think midway through that second round, he was out of gas and really had to find that second wind on his own. Dig for those takedowns and get him. It was uh, there were there were moments there that where I was a little nervous. Oh, no, there were a ton of moments where I was nervous, but it also made me respect him more as a fighter with how, because you're right, he he dug deep there. I mean, I remember thinking, oh, man, he is gassed at the end of one, and, and he managed to get the next two, which is just remarkable. Remarkable. Okay, next thing. Danny, your science failed me. I got absolutely embarrassed. I made a tweet saying, women's dogs are barking tonight. Dan. It was an absolute slaughterhouse. Sam Hughes lost for unanimous decision. Luma lost for unanimous decision. Joanne Wood lost via rear naked choke. And it was a domination. It should have been worse. 
And Misha Tate, we're not going to count as a dog. I mean, technically she was, but I mean, it was as close to 50-50 as it gets without actually being 50-50. But not a day for the science. And I, you know, threw a little bit on each one because all the lines were in the plus 200s, plus 300s, and nothing, man, nothing. It was a domination show from the women's favorites. I will say, though, besides that JoJo fight, I probably would do it again. I mean, those numbers were still out of whack, and Sam Hughes looked fine until yeah. kind of she started gassing and getting pieced up. Um, Loma did not look great. I was disappointed by her performance. I know. But I, I definitely still think I would back her. Yeah, I mean, back her maybe in a different fight down the line. Loopy looked good on a side note, but yeah, Sam Hughes, I mean, she was winning around, then she got dropped and then she kind of, I mean, she never gave up, but there were multiple times where you're like, Oh, this fight could be ended. Bummer, but whatever. It was not big. Each one was like 0.5 units, but still it, it, it the, the science really failed me here. And it was one of the only times I've recognized it as pure science and made a tweet about it. Okay. I had a big play on Sean Soriano. I don't even want to sit here long or mention it. Foolish. Honestly, I don't know what I, I, it was more of a fade on Shy Lynn than it was a, a backing of Sean Soriano. This is, or has got to be probably the, one of the mo- worst UFC performances I've seen. And he's now 0-5 in the UFC. This is his second run at it. So, you know what? I actually learned something. I learned that no matter how terrible the opponent is across the ring, don't back someone who's also terrible. And, and so I, I, you know what, uh, it's a cheap price to pay at the end of the day, because I did, I did hit him hard and I go, there's literally no way he loses. And, you know, he, he looked just that bad. So he's getting the pink slip. Won't have another opportunity to bet on him, but it it was dumb to think that putting hard earned money on a guy who hasn't proven anything and is also, you know, not necessarily UFC caliber. It it also just felt like he was going to get it together eventually. You hear such great things out of that gym and, and right? it's gym full of just killers and, and they produce so many countless, just unbelievable wrestler striker combos. Um, no, that, that was it, yeah, tough. my lodge. Exactly. So I also got to stop trusting what comes out of camps because I've been sitting here saying Miguel Baez is going to win uh, gold someday. And Look at that. That's not working out either. Okay. I also want to talk about Natan Levy and Hafa Garcia because Levy is a contender series guy, came on, was known for his excitement and his, you know, unconventional style. You got Hafa Garcia on the other side, a guy that, you know, we're not afraid to admit is, is a fade on our end more often than not. This fight to me just couldn't mark it off altogether. Unimpressed. I'm shocked Levy came out the way he did. I think Garcia's got writing on the wall to get, you know, his he, – he's going to catch some L's coming forward. He's on my fade radar too, but this fight was I, one I that I actually – I think these guys, for me, are fades going forward. Yeah, I, I, 100%. Yeah. This was an unimpressive, lackluster fight, and I'm honestly, like, shocked by it. Oh, Country Club, let's talk turkey with – I keep using that phrase because we're right around that Thanksgiving time. I know we're after it, but – Dan, Pat Sabatini, Tucker Lutz. That one was one you were on, or at least knew. You were leaning Sabatini, even though he was a dog there. I'm impressed. Sabatini, as we've been saying, are, is just a phenomenal grappler. And, and 
as I keep mentioning, I cannot bring it up enough that Henzo Gracie, Daniel Gracie, Philly Jim is undefeated as a gym between him, Sean Brady. Um, I can't remember the other two off the top of my head, but I saw the stat after the fight night on Saturday night. They're undefeated as a gym. It's something you can't ignore now. We're towards the no. end of the year. It's awards time. Daniel Gracie is, is my number one for coach Jim of the year. Peter. That sounds crazy with just having four fighters on your roster, but these guys look good, and Pat Sabatini is a guy I would not like to spend any time on the mat with. Oh, God, no. And that's actually interesting you bring that, Jim, up, because I do think that we're going to see a lot of guys. I mean, you hear me on this show talking all the time about how bad Team Alpha Male is. I wouldn't be surprised if you see their roster grow from four as they continue to have success in there. Okay. We need to talk quickly, Kobe. I'm switching it up. We're going to go after the bonuses, even if we name them. We're just going to say them at the end of the fight. Just read them off quick so people are aware. Dan, last two fights we're going to talk about. The first one is going to be Adrian Yanez, Davy Grant. You were very adamant that Adrian Yanez, even at the 300s a play, great parlay ad. I was a little more hesitant. Technically goes down as a split decision, but that's also the single worst scorecard probably in UFC history. Davy Grant got a 30-27, and I think Adrian Yanez got 30-27. the opposite way, maybe 29-28s, but 30-27 yeah. for Grant is like laughably what-are-you-watching type bad. And, I, and I'll admit, I, I was so nervous after that scorecard got read. I was like, are we serious? Was I not watching this fight correctly? And looking at the stats, it's really, really close. And, and I am surprised to see these numbers total uh, – Significant strikes, 98 to 100, really close in every single one of the rounds. But it was obvious to me that, I mean, Yunez was just doing more damage. The effective striking is really, I think, in the letter of the law, how the judges are supposed to be scoring, not so much strikes landed as effective striking. And that was on Yunez's side. You also need to lean to an extent damage. I mean, people like to get into the technicals of it, but a lot of it is and it sounds so basic, but it really is true is because the judges don't have the official numbers. People don't get that a lot of times. So it, it's just as a bystander, who do you think won that round? Like it really is as simple as just an eye test of like, oh, it, it looked like that's why a lot of corners are adamant about uh, controlling the distance. And that's why counter strikers kind of get fucked a lot of the time because if they're sitting on the outside counter striking, it doesn't look like they're winning, even though they are. So it's, it's, a weird science. It definitely, I hope in the future of the sport, we see more clarity, but that was an all time bad scorecard. But what Tony you, Weeks. I mean, was it as clear cut? Tony Weeks was the card. Yeah. Was it as clear? I had a 29, 28, Yanez. Um, I'm pretty sure Kobe, correct me if I'm wrong. That probably fight of the night for me. Uh, I don't, yeah. can't imagine that yeah. on a fight with no finishes that there were four performance bonuses. And, and so also sidebar. Yeah. Nast one of the nastiest insta cauliflower ears I've ever seen. It looked like his ear was gonna fall off. But I guess my only question with that fight for you, Dan, is did you did it go similar to how you saw, or did Davy Grant put up a better fight than you expected? I mean, where are we sitting there? I know you probably were Davy Grant did put up a little bit better of a fight than I expected. Um it, it went how I thought in the way that I knew that regardless of what happened, Yanez wasn't gonna be surprised or caught off guard by anything Davey was going to throw him, including that instant cauliflower ear. Um, he, Adrian didn't miss a beat, and, and he just kept fighting, stuck to his game plan, and his, he was just better than Davey Grant. But Davey Grant did impress me. I, I will say that. that was, it was not a run-through at all. Yeah. Um, 
See, and I think I still like the 265 I got it at. I think this is a weird scenario where we both were kind of right in. You were right that it's a good bet, great parlay piece, and the line's not as high, like is really is not too high. And I think that I also got a little, it got it partially right where Davy Grant didn't just go out there and get slumped. You know what I mean? He put up enough where mm-hmm. it was at least a little bit of a sweat when it, when it came to the final scorecards. Okay. Last fight we're going to recap is the people's main event. And just honestly, if you're a casual or a hardcore or anything at all, this is your main event. Sean Brady climbs to 15 and zero as he defeats number seven ranked or six ranked welterweight, Michael Chiesa. Couple things before we break this bad boy down. One, holy shit, can this Sean Brady kid wrestle? For a guy who didn't, I don't believe he has a wrestling background, he really put it on Kesa. It did cause him to gas, though. Two, and more importantly, too, it's truly astonishing that Michael Kesa ever made 55 because he honestly significantly bigger than Sean Brady in there. And I don't know if Sean Brady's an undersized 170 or if, or if Michael Chiesa truly is just that big and should always have been a 170. He he was huge. Massive. Absolutely massive. And it, it was the size discrepancy was clear, I mean, from every angle. I, I think I texted you about it on, on the fight of the night. But you're right. Just incredible gutty performance from Sean Brady to out to really ragdoll, not even out-wrestle a guy that's as good on the ground as, as, as Chiesa. I know that Chiesa had a lot of success in the third, um, or not third, fifth. Or just like no, the third, back third, half third, of the third. Three. It was like the back half of the right. third, last minute when Sean Brady really right. had nothing left in the tank. Um, exactly. So as far as bonuses go, you guys drilled the Yenez-Grant fight of the night, and actually only one performance of the night, and it went to Tyler Santos with the – Wait, Tyler Santos got performance tonight. Okay. And then that was the only performance of the night? Oh, 150K only. Oh, wow. Dana was sending a message. He was not impressed with this card. I didn't think it was that bad. I mean, lack of finishes, sure. But, like, all in all, the product wasn't terrible. I enjoyed my time watching. Kobe, your fights, or 11 fights, 10, finish, 10 finishes, or 10 decisions. Yeah, it's tough. So, okay. Now we get to the part. Port, no part where we closed the book on Tate Vieira. It is what it, it, I mean, it was what it was. It was not terrible, not great, but we're looking forward and we have a much better card, at least headliner this weekend. UFC, uh, what is it? Vegas, Vegas 44. 44. It's in Vegas. Yeah. So UFC Vegas 44 fight night font V Aldo, which is a fight that I know we can all wrap our, our teeth around. And we got a couple guys that I know Danny and I tout on here a lot. Brendan Allen, Jimmy Crew, Brad Riddell. So we're excited for this one, to say the least. And I can't just you got to tune into this week's episode. There's going to be a lot of taping done. There's going to be a lot of conversation and picks given out. It is just this is the time where we really bounce back, at least for me having that red week last week, to really hammer it down. And there's a lot of spots I'm eyeing from a mile away here. But before we get into that, we are going to start here with news and notes and Kobe. This yeah. is so we're going to go news and notes. And then as usual, set the spread. And then Wednesday, Thursday, the latest, we'll look to record the main juicy episode for fight fight night font Vialdo. So let's get, yeah, we wanted to, we wanted to jump in on news and notes just because we've been off for what, almost two weeks now. So, yeah, a lot, so there's a, we got some so stuff going a, on. We'll yeah, catch up. Again. There's a lot. 
Um, all right. So while we're on kind of this transition to this week, we had two updates for the card this week. So Roman Delize is out with COVID against Brendan Allen. That one's kind of been up in the air a couple times now. He does have another fill-in. It's Chris Curtis. So Chris Curtis versus Brendan Allen this week. And Chris Curtis um, was a guy who busted my parlay a couple weeks ago by knocking out uh, Philip Hawes, right? Which is a crazy victory. He came mm-hmm. as a big dog. So, hey, you know what? He can – there's an opportunity for him to make a Kevin Holland level name for himself on the quick turnaround and, and back if he gets back-to-back finishes or, or really shows out. Chris Curtis is a name where I would put him on a, on someone to watch list. If he can get this one done. Um, we also have this week, Felipe Lins out. I didn't see why, but Jared Vandera is already in for, for to replace him versus Azamat Merzikhanov. Okay. Merzikhanov is the contender series mistaken. guy, right? Dan? Um, yes. Undefeated contender undefeated series contender this series. past year. Uh, but if I, if I, if I'm not mistaken, the initial uh, fight, the Linz, Merzikhanov was going to be at light heavy, and now ver- with Vanderoff stepping in, I think it's up at 265 or at, at heavy. Mm. Which is just interesting. Yeah, it is. So this past weekend, Dan, I know that you were texting me about this too. We had triad combat in Arlington, Texas. So I want to give a quick shout out. We had Frank Mir in the triangle is what we'll call it that they have a triangle ring uh, but he got knocked out first serious? round on his feet we had mike perry though yeah a real that was the next piece you got a split decision win over a real boxer in boxing how do you know this happened this weekend that was uh at your home, uh, from home was... reset globe life oh that i mean that's it's... sick i would I, you guys should have gone it must have been the craziest spectacle of an event of all time i think it was uh what they they played like two metallica songs to open it It was also a metallica concert metallica played two songs to open it up then they had six fights then like another two metallica, metallica songs. Came back then the frank mir main event then like a full Bro. metallica set after the main event you literally can't even make this shit up that sounds like someone like made it's a, a thriller made event a, for you yeah literally yeah. Okay. Give me a booth outside to sell affliction t-shirts. <laughs> so wild. Mike Perry, I guess, might be Nate making a name for himself again in a different field. And then Frank Mir. I mean, he's a UFC champion, but he, I I feel like he was in Bellator recently. So I don't know what he's doing. Was this just boxing or MMA as well? What was going on? All MMA? I think it was a mixture of stuff. I think they did some Muay Thai bouts, some boxing, some MMA, but I think it was majority boxing, if I'm not mistaken. All righty. Let's keep trucking. Yeah, back to some UFC news. Uh, Kevin Holland announced a little before Thanksgiving that he is dropping to welterweight. Oh, yeah, I saw that. I I don't really know what to think of it. Dan, do you – I mean, I think it's like – all he's really doing is I feel like all he's really doing is like giving himself another opportunity. Cause he's got gone on such bad luck at middleweight. I mean, if he can make the weight, I mean, it's going to be an, a size advantage for him. So. But stylistically, I mean, you got to look at 170 and think there's just even better rap- or grapplers and people that are going to fuck him up in the same way that 
the mid-level grapplers at 185 were doing. Yeah, but you, what you, do you think as far as like, you know how you see some guys like Volkov at heavyweight's a great example where he's just so much longer than his opponent that it's hard to get the lift. Like, do you think he might have a, just like a size advantage on getting back up? Or do you think it's just going to be a same? I think he'll sure have a advantage. size advantage, but it's, it's, I don't see him having any success versus the, I mean, even like a Leon Edwards, I know that he's near the top of the division, but I mean, I think that the Gilberts and the Colbys and the and the Kamarus dominate him grappling. I think that Wonder Boy outstrikes him. I think that I don't. I don't think 170 is a good place for him at all. Well, then he's a man without a home because I don't think. I mean, 205 would be easier, but he'd be undersized. Worst case scenario for him though, he's going to become like an Alex Caceres type, where he just kind of exists. And I mean, he's made enough of a name for himself, and he's enough of a spectacle where Dana has no interest in cutting him. So it's going to just be like a journeyman type of role for him if 70 doesn't pan out yeah i think well, that that's exactly what it's going to be speaking of if he can make the weight dan hooker who's been in the news all yeah, kinds of things he had what a test test run at getting down to featherweight 145 and he apparently did it successfully well he's fought at 145 before am he i did. wrong people forget about that no he did he did I think I'm excited for, for him to go back down. It definitely makes it a little bit awkward training with Volk, but um, I do think yeah, it's a similar. I do think it's a similar story to Holland though, Dan. I mean, like is his problems going to alleviate at 45 that were there at 55? I don't really think so. No, I mean, like, but I think Holloway, that it makes for a much more fun run I, i'd love to see him strike with like cater and holloway and 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 i don't know if he'll fight i just think people, i just think he gets i think he gets pieced up against those guys yair holloway cater i think they put the work on him yeah i don't know All right i'm excited to Give find out fight announcements i am uh we're skipping the scraps this week we're just getting into the heavy stuff um shavkat Shavkat Rachmanov and Carlston Harris, February 5th. Nice. Fun. Love to see Shavkat back in the ring. I also love to see Carlston Harris back in the ring because he had a gruesome leg lock injury last time out. So. Armin Sarukian and Joel Alvarez. Alvarez back yeah, in the ring. Yeah, I saw that. February 26th. And this is up at, and, and this is up at welterweight too, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. That right? I don't know. Armin said he couldn't. Armin said he couldn't get a fight at 155. Not surprised that he couldn't but get a it, fight. It might have it might have been a joke about Joel Alvarez missing weight a bunch. I I, I might have misread that, but um, no, I mean I, yeah, I don't. Way. The one thing either though way, about it, great matchup. The one thing about it though, Dan, I guess we're here for fun. What I mean, that line's got to be what Saruki and minus. 400, 500? I think people are really impressed with Joel Alvarez. Not Armin Sarukin. No, not Armin Sarukin impressed, but I think that Joel have a, a size advantage. And I I don't know. I, I'm i not going to be backing Joel Alvarez, but I think <laughs> the line is going to be not four. Irregardless, but, irregardless, we can now – we took Yoel Alvarez off our fave list, which is impressive enough because we're pretty harsh about that. Takes a big man. Yeah, but I think I'm going to fade him. <laughs> exactly. 
two more, two more big name fights here. Um, I'm gonna go a little out of order and hold some excitement. But we got Edson Barbosa and Bryce Mitchell, March fifth. That's a heater. Oh my gosh, can Edson still grapple? We are going to find out. I'm also just happy to see Bryce back. I mean, we haven't seen him in over a year now, maybe two years, honestly. So he's got such a personality too. I was bummed that he hasn't been active. He's got mm-hmm. one fight in the history of the Ink Pick Pod, so it hasn't been two years, but early days though. Early days. Um, and then the last fight announcement this week. This is a fun one. Islam Makhchev, Benil Dariush, February yeah, that 26th. One, that one's a crazy one. Like, crazy, crazy. I mean, props to Benny for taking it, but, like, what Benny did to, what Benny did to Ferguson, Islam's going to do to Benny. <laughs> There's yeah, levels to this. I mean, yeah, we've talked a lot about how good of a grappler we think Islam is, but Benny, man, I – I love Benny and I love the jits that Benny has. It's, it's, it's fun. Um, I, I don't know. I think that it's not, he, I don't think even think he's going to last as long as Tiago Moises. I have a side news and notes, not crazy, but I mean, it, it's a crazy story, but it's not like ground be- beating by any means, but um, this is more towards Danny. Cause I know Kobe's going to be like, who, but do you remember Jake Hewn? Yeah, who? H-E-U-N, exactly. Who? Um, he, he got sentenced to eight years in prison. And for those who don't know his name, he was on the season 17 Ultimate Fighter. He lost early. Um, but he had a UFC fight on the Ultimate Fighter season 19. So I think that was the return season or something. He's been on two seasons of the Ultimate Fighter. He's, he's kept his MMA career active on the World Series of Fighting and Alaska regional scene, most recently out of the big scenes, Ryzen and PFL. But, I mean, he has a loss to Yuri Pohashka. But, yeah, he got – so I was reading the article a couple days ago. It's hilarious. Basically, he got charged eight years for drugs. But the way that the, the cops got tipped off initially is – there was some sort of meth, a, a package of meth broke open on an aircraft and started leaking. And then like, come on now. And then long story short, follow the yellow brick road. He had a huge drug ring going on, selling a lot of shit. So, I mean, he, he was active, but he's 34 now at 42. I think he's probably seen his MMA days behind him now that he's going to be in a prison cell for a little bit. Maybe him yeah, and Tra- so. Trajillo can get together. He does have a win over uh, Roque Martinez, who fought on the UFC within the year. He does. That was in Ryzen. But, yeah, I mean, the guy, like, I mean, the guy clearly had some sort of talent in a, in a heavyweight division that obviously is light. I mean, Dana brought him back to the Ultimate Fighter twice. There, there's stuff to be said about it. But, yeah, it's kind of just like you see in the NFL, these guys keep getting in trouble. The most recent horrific Zach Stacy video and stuff, and it's like, you, you look at the UFC and they do a good job all in all, but every once in a while you get a, a bull Trujillo who got, who's in prison for a while, a couple get a murder here and there. And then this one drug charges eight years. So thought that one was not like necessarily newsworthy, but it's just funny for those who watch the ultimate fighter or really into the sport. You probably remember the name Jake Hewn and, and have a chuckle at the fact that he's well fucked. <laughs> 
Anything else this week? Um, honestly, I wish we could end on a brighter story, but I think that's just the story of all stories. I don't, I don't know what else to say. We can come back, and if anything comes through, we got another episode this week anyway. So let's uh, tie that one off, and let's get to UFC Vegas 44, set the spread. Bingo. Three main event cards left this calendar year. Dan holds the 18-17 lead over Reese. Still, after last week? Didn't I win last week, or did I lose last week? You lost last week. Fuck, or a couple weeks ago. This timing's throwing me off. Okay. You did win a couple weeks ago. Yay. But Danny has the most recent win and the most yeah, recent Dan- leads. I'm like one in five in our last six, it feels like. This has not been brightening up. We can get uh, we can get our uh, analytics department on the stats behind that. Come back to you later with them. Um, for now, we've got a pretty exciting card i mean if it is lackluster i don't know you don't want to say the whole card was lackluster last week maybe a little unexciting just with all the decisions but anyways we've got some fun names on this card a really stacked main card um headlined by rob font and jose aldo not a whole lot of letters in those names that's got to be a record um (laughs) anyways let's dig right in we've got first fight on the main card middleweight bout we talked about it already once we got brendan allen and chris curtis chris curtis coming off of that phil hall's knockout brendan allen and ankle pick favorite dan why don't you kick things off for us with the 1817 lead and with the win last week so i'm seeing chris curtis um his line versus phil hawes uh what was that a couple of not like a month ago um he was a 250 underdog he did have that counter left i kind of accredit it more to phil hawes's chin being gone I, that, to me that didn't look like he hit him that hard he didn't even turn his hand over but the, with, with that being said chris curtis does have a bunch of power i mean he turned phil hawes's lights out without turning the punch over completely that being said it, it, it's going to be a big line in brendan allen's favor He's a guy who can grapple with the best of him of them. He can scrap. I mean, Punale Soriano was throwing bombs at him in his last fight, and he took it and was throwing him right back. Uh, got the unanimous decision there. I think this line is going to be pretty big. Uh, I'm going to go with Brendan Allen minus 300. Yeah, Dan, pretty big, but not big enough. Because I see everything you see, except I think that. Brendan Allen deserves to be a significantly heavier favorite than a Philip Hawes. And I think at 300, it'd be pretty similar. I think Hawes was even 310 at one point. I get Curtis. I, I see what you see too. This is for me, that fight was more of a knock on Phil Hawes than it is a coming out party for Chris Curtis. Brendan Allen, it, he's the 12th ranked middleweight in the world. He's looking to really make a name for himself and rise through the ranks. Where Curtis, you know, he's kind of just happy to be here. He's 30, he's, he's like 31 ranked middleweight. It's this fight shouldn't be close. That's why I think this really could be a Kevin Holland type. Holy shit. If he gets this one done, I was thinking there was going to be a four in front of it, to be honest with you, or there's going to be a four in front of it. So I'm going to expect that there's going to be some action on Brendan Allen. I'm going to go uh, Brendan Allen minus 370. Chris Curtis plus yeah, 330 or whatever. And the reason why 
the tr- the true reason why I went to 370 is because at 300, I pretty comfortably place Brennan Allen. At 400, I lay off. So it's got to be somewhere in between, I would imagine. 350, right Brennan Allen. Poha. Yep. Yeah, because, Dan, don't you agree? 300, you almost have to place that now. Yeah. It's, it's just – it's hard with these one-punch KO guys. It. Yeah. Is Chris Kirk like, known for one punch KOs though, or is this a uh, like a whoa type one? I, oh, he's only, he's got that was his UFC I debut. That he, that was his I UFC that he debut. Had a couple I on like, the. Uh, I thought that that I my notes on. Yeah, he's got a bunch of finishes. They're uh, and they're all strikes. Yeah. Next fight on the main card: light heavyweight bout. Jimmy Crute getting back in the octagon against. Jamal Hill, Reese, go for it. So this one is interesting. And it's interesting because I'm obsessed with Jimmy Crute. And so I need to make sure that I don't go too OD with this one because I don't want to get laughed off, set the spread because I'm so far off. Jimmy Crute is a guy that, I mean, both these guys, let's get both these guys are considered in the card world rookies. They're young, they're prospects. They've got 25, and Jamal Hill's got to still have a 20 in front. He's just turned 30. So it's, it's, it's youngins in the sport. Here, here's the thing Crute lost pretty bad to Misha Serkinov a couple years ago. And then he lost to Anthony Smith via fluke injury. So I, I'm writing that one off. Now, you're looking at these wins in the UFC at least, and one of them is Paul Craig via Kimura. And I want – that's one that I think I'm going to target for taping this week just to see what – what what because that was a round three Kimura. So I want to see what the rest of it looks like. But it's apparent that if he got the Kimura, he's willing to grapple with Paul Craig. Jamel Hill, a guy who came in as a favorite against Paul Craig, got, got kind of embarrassed, to say the least. And – it ended in a gruesome way. Yeah, his arm was flopping around like a rubber pencil. It was disgusting. I mean, but he was – even more so than the injury to end it, he was able to just get off his transitions and, and just roll with Jamal at it any way easily. he wanted. Paul was yeah, having easily. a time. And, and Paul Craig is touted as one of the best grapplers at 85, but Crute showed me that he can grapple with him. So I, I definitely am going Crute as the favorite. I definitely want to go pretty high. Here's the thing, though, is Jamel Hill still, although the Paul Craig is is a guy that was a ranked middleweight, he's not now. He fell out after the Paul Craig loss. He was 15 and has a lot of people behind him. So I don't want to go Jimmy Crute minus 300 where my, I'm initially feeling because there's always that risk of there's a, a highly touted prospect that we haven't seen much of on the other side. I'm going to go... Jimmy Crute, and I'm going to do it with a two in front of it, but I'm not going to go high two. I'm going to go flat 200. I think Jimmy Crute minus 200. Jamel Hill plus 170 is a, is right where this thing should be. Full disclosure, that's my number. <sighs> uh, so now I'm deciding whether or not I'm going to go above you or below. Um, I think I'm going to go above you just because of the injury factor. I think that that's going to play into this line maybe i'm just a homer for jimmy crute but uh that's one thing that i was that made me really confident actually that there was a two in front of it and that um i I think that 
that Adesanya Vittori card was obviously one of the most watched cards recently and that injury people are remembering and the batters are remembering. And like you said, that fluke injury against Anthony Smith, Jimmy Crute was actually starting to come back and do well in that yeah, fight. He, he would have been fine. So I'm going to go – I'll give you a little breathing room. I'll go 220. I lost this one. Because at 200, I'm betting Crute. I, I fucking fucked this one. You didn't fucking fuck this one. 85, 185. Oh, whoa. whoa, let's go. Let's go. What was open? 220. Danny hit the open. Oh, oh come on. Money coming in. I will on be betting Hill. that. Like, yeah, right that's, now. That's being bet. Money coming in on Hill. Wow. Let's go, dude. Let's go. Hill's long and, and good striker, but not the most polished striker. I don't. No. I'm not that sold on Jamal Hill. Crew can hang with him and seeing the grappling advantage that was in favor of Paul Craig, this should and could Please. end on the mat. I'm on tilt. Let's go. I'm actually feeling Next fight up. We got a lightweight bout UFC vet Clay Guida Ugh. against Leonardo Santos. Dan, Who you can also when it comes to Leonardo Santos, you might as well also say UFC vet. He's not super active, but he's Clay Good is in a 30 club, 30 plus UFC fights. There's only like six um, people that have Leonardo that. Santos is just 41. So I always he he's the definition of old veteran man. Yeah, but Clay Guida's record is, is just so fun to look it's at. Hilarious. Jay Penn, yeah. Charles Oliveira, Brian Ortega, Chad Mendez, Gray Maynard, Anthony Pettis, Takamakomi, RDA, Kenny Florian, Diego Sanchez, Nate Diaz. I mean, it's just fun. Like Dean Thomas, I'm just still going. Gilbert Melendez, <laughs> it's just like a fun record to go through. That being said, his record recently is what one win in the past three years, and it's the win is Michael Johnson. That doesn't bode well for your line. He's going to be an underdog. Like Reese said, though, <laughs> Leo Santos is 41. It's not like Clay's fighting some young prospect. Um. The thing that's for me a little telling is, is Leo Santos was not that big of an underdog against Grant Dawson. I think this was a spot that uh, we played as a podcast and cast as a podcast. But, I mean, we thought the line should have been bigger. And that draw versus Rick Glenn. Or, no, wait, I'm, now I'm looking at Grant Dawson. So I'm lost in, a, lost in a loop. I've got Leo Santos as the favorite here. Uh, I, I think Guid is holding on, like Kobe said, for those numbers, that record. I'm going to go minus 200. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's a good, that's a damn good line. I mean, let's face it. Leo Santos is going to win. He's hard to back at 41, but like, he's still damn talented at 41. Looks good. He devastatingly knocked out Stevie Ray in his ret- in his three-year return, which I remember, like, my jaw dropping. It was such a devastating knockout. It was awesome. I mean, he's knocking out Kevin Lee. Anthony Martin is a tough guy. I mean, you're talking about a guy that if it wasn't for inactivity, we're dealing with a very serious contender here. I, I would say age and, and inactivity. Um, yeah, Leo's got to be the favorite. Clay Guida is, like, a little bit better than like the old version of BJ Penn where like it's going to be tough for him to get the W 
I mean, he, he performed well against Marco Manson. He performed well against Bobby Green. Like he had his moments, but like nothing I'm sitting here being like rushing into the ticket counter to get a bet in on. Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to go Leo Santos a favorite. I'm probably going to go less than you just because, and, and more importantly than anything else, because who Clay Guida is, his performances recently, although they are losses. I mean, he's, he's fighting the who's who everybody knows Clay Guida. I mean, people should know Leo Santos too. I, I think this one's going to be probably a little closer. I, I might even bet Guida against a 41 year old. If the line was like plus plus one eighty. So I'm going to go closer to like, even I'm going to say Leo Santos plus or no minus um, one fifty Clay Guida plus one thirty. Dan's going to edge out Reese here. Fuck. Leo Santos minus 185. Oh, that's pretty high. All right. Nice job, so man. That's- interesting. Opened minus 260 Santos. Went all the way down to, what is it? Looks like about minus 170. And it's come back up to 185. Okay. Yeah, I'm wrong. That's fine. I feel like it's good. A quick poha and a shout out to that season two of Tough Brazil that had Santiago Ponzinibbio, Leo Santos, Tiago Santos, uh, and Tiago Alves. Stack season of Tough Brazil. Yeah, crazy. We've got pretty exciting co-main here. Lightweight bout, Brad Riddell and Rafael Fiziev. Is it Rafael Fiziev? There's no way. I kind of just made that up. It's going to be Rafael Fiziev. Either way. Yeah, I think so. uh, We've got... Re, or, yeah, Reese leading things off for this one. This one is, I mean, the main event's a banger, so I don't want to say people's main event, but this one is is exciting. Like, I'm this, comfortable saying it. I'm comfortable I'm ex- saying people's main I'm event. I'm so excited for Font Aldo, though, but this one is, is going to be a banger. So I'm most notably known for – picking Bobby Green because of his head movement and distant management against Fiziev. And it worked out to a T and I still lost, which is fine with me. Um, But yeah, I mean, I, we know what Fiziev brings to the table, dominant, a fast pace, ridiculous power, leg kicks that, I mean, honestly would knock the wind out of an elephant, but Brad Riddell is a gamer on the other side. I mean, this fight to me, and I don't know if Dan sees it the same way, is as close to an even fight as I can see. I mean, you got a guy in Brad Riddell who's undefeated in the UFC. I mean, he's only fought four times, but he's undefeated. He beat Drew Dober, beat Jamie Malarkey, but this, this is the important one right here, Dan. He beat Alex De Silva, who was 21-2 and two at the time. But this is what's interesting. He beat Magomed Mustavayev, and that's a guy who beat Fiziev via spinning that infamous spinning back kick it was like round one i mean you see it on highlights so i think it's uh, his only professional loss right yeah um both of these guys only have one professional loss so it's 10 and 1 v 10 and 1 what brad riddell shows me when he fights is a level of maturity and growth and and honestly also i've been impressed with his strength and durability I, I think I like Brad Riddell here, but I think Fiziev is the favorite, if that makes sense. I think I like Brad Riddell here, but I think Fiziev's probably the favorite. Um, 
And part of the reason why I'm going off that is just because of what I hear people talk about. I mean, people talk about Rafael Fiziev. He was calling out Hasbula. He's got that energy, that flash, that flair. Like he could be a star. Brad Riddell is a little bit more of your, your, you know, run of the mill martial fighters fighter. Yeah. He's a fighter's fighter. A lot of those city kickboxing guys are, but like he's down to scrap, but he's a little more quiet about it. Very, very talented. Tiger Muay Thai, city kickboxing, best as they come. I I like Riddell here. I'm going to go Fiziev. I'm going to go Fiziev slightly. I'm going to go. I can already tell you're about to say my number. Yeah, I think so. I'm going to go Fiziev minus one. Three zero one thirty. One twenty. What? Uh, no, it's your advantage of going second. I wanted to ask what your number is. I'm gonna say. I'll lock in my first one. I'll say one. What is one thirty, Bob? I like that a lot better than their one twenty because it leaves one twenty for me. Oh. I agree with you to a T. I think that these yeah. are the two best boy tie strikers. Um, in the division at 155, what sells it for me? And this is an interesting tidbit. We've got city kickboxing. We've got Tiger Muay Thai, two of the best Muay Thai gyms in the world. Eugene Behrman at city kickboxing, the head coach, took his team during the pandemic and said, I want us to sure up our kickboxing. We're going to go and take a team trip over to Tiger Muay Thai. Rafael Fazeev happens to be the head Muay Thai coach at Tiger Muay Thai. They, we, they've probably had 20 to 30 minutes of sparring, the two of them. I'll bet a lot of people over in Thailand know who's going to win this fight. And I have to lean with, with the head coach being the better Muay Thai fighter. But I'm glad, I, I, I'm glad you went to 130 because I can't go all the way up to 140. Fuck. I should have split the difference, done 125, then you would have had no you would have had to pick the poison. I would have gone 30. 30? Okay. That makes me feel a little better, honestly. Mm-hmm. So is that 120 your number, Dan? Yep. Ding 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 DK. 120. Bang goes the buzzer. Oh ha. Even money that, the other way, plus one hundred. That is deflating as Fuck. If you had gone 120, that shuts the door on me. Another interesting tidbit. This one actually opened up Riddell minus 130 three weeks ago. Yeah, I probably would take Riddell probably is the side. I I don't know for sure, but there is a lot of logic (sighs) to Eugene Behrman and City Kickboxing and Brad Riddell getting together and saying yes to this fight. That is really frustrating. Sorry, Dan. I know. I know you're talking about the fight. My mind is thrown for a loop. I need to gather my wits about me. That is. T- I felt so good about one. Down thing. to Aldo Font. When he said "ding ding," I go, "Let's fucking go, Poha." Tragic. I really thought I had that one. Down it's to Aldo down Font. To the main. Bantamweight bout. Dan, your turn to kick things off for us. Fuck! I need this one. I need all right. One. How many cards do we have left in the year? Three. This plus two more. Oh, so if I lose, the, oh, I need to run the so this table. is for Dormy. This, this is, is for Dormy. Wait, this is for what? Oh, I need this number. I need no, ah. cause, no, because I can run the table to tie, Dan. 
Right. Right. That's Dormy. Dormy. I don't know what the fuck you guys are talking about. Okay. Golf term. Moving on. All right. Jose Aldo, Rob Font. We talk a lot about gyms. We talk a lot about the New England cartel. I mean, that Tyson Chartier coach. It's the phenomenal gym over there. Those guys are all killers. Uh, There's not a group I would rather meet. That's a group I would most like to not meet in a dark alley. New England cartel. However, he's running up against the King of Rio. This is a guy who the resurgence of Jose Aldo since that, uh, I mean, there's kind of been a double resurgence. There's been the resurgence after the Connor kind of took his, his soul and then the Holloway double results were bad. And then he moved to, to 135 and that's been the new resurgence. Since then, he's only lost to Piotr Jan. I've been really impressed, especially with that Pedro Munoz fight. He's still the motherfucking king of Rio. He's not going to be a big favorite because people love Rob Fonten. I'm one of them. Uh, but I think he's going to be a favorite. I, I think it's going to be pretty similar to the Muay Thai fight that we just talked about. So I'm gonna, I had 130 written down, but after I said that, I'm going 120. Jose Aldo, king of Rio, take me home with a Poha Brazil. Hmm. Fuck, man. I mean, this is like as even as even gets, I feel like, as well. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's a perennial title contender slash champion, arguably the best 45er ever, goes down to 35, completely reinvents himself. My featherweight goat. There you go. Goes down to 35, completely reinvents himself, and puts out some of the best boxing performances I've ever seen, and we know he can grapple, which is what's crazy. But on the other side, you got a long 135er in Bobby Font, a guy that I've been a massive, massive fan of since the beginning, been a big, big bull on him. He has made me so much fucking money. I ride Bob Font every single time. Bob Font seemingly wins every single time. And when I really started riding Bob Font was against Sergio Pettis. I was there. It was in Milwaukee. And I knew that the length, the length of Bobby Font was going to be the difference in that Sergio Pettis fight. And that's exactly what happened. The length played a factor. He's not much longer than Aldo. I, I mean, he might not even be longer than Aldo. Aldo's a long 135er. But, I mean, he ripped off Ricky Simone, ripped off Marlon Moraes, ripped off Cody Garbrandt, and, and in a dominating fashion, too. And the thing that people miss about Rob Font I mean, is, ripped off Ricky Simone former 125-er, Marlon Marais, chinniest guy in the UFC, Cody Garbrandt, I mean, the worst game plan in the UFC? Come on, King of Rio. No, no, never. Bobby Font. I'm going to go Bob Font minus 120. Other side to send me into the promised land. Bob Font minus 120. It's going to be hammered by me. Probably opened at 160 and got bet down because Bob Font is that motherfucker. Let's go to England Cartel. So if I tell you that this line is minus 137, which one of you guys thinks you're right? I feel worse. <laughs> I yeah, I, I'm 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 feeling okay. I like the King of Rio. I I'm no I'm confident, but like I said, he's my featherweight goat. It's Bob Font. I, it's Bobby Font, bro. It opened minus 115 the same way it's still sitting. That's what the line should be. Your favorite, Bob Font. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> we just had Zoom like cut off your audio because they're like, he's there's no way that was a human noise. 
He's alive and well. It is tied up. We are advancing into December. Knotted at one and one. Poe. Ha. Let's go. Man, couldn't draw up a script like this. 1818. Come on. And Reese, you're still going to bet him at, at heavily at the favorite price? I'm not going to bet him heavily, but I will be on Bob Font that evening. Interesting. I mean, I'm looking. You mentioned the Sergio Pettis fight. I'm looking at the three fights before losses to Asuncao and Munoz. Those yeah. sound like two Brazilians that Jose Aldo beats the hell out of. Yeah, but that's, that's a different. Bob Font, more than almost anyone I've ever seen, gets better and better every time to a level that I didn't even see is possible. You're looking at a guy who he beat Garbrandt, Garbrandt, Stout, Garbrandt, Garbrandt, Marias, Simone, and Pettis are any of those guys of the level of like a Piotr Jan or a Holloway or a... But he got dominated by Piotr Jan. On, but, but Aldo got dominated by Piotr Jan. He had more moments in that fight than you almost talked, anyone who has fought you, Piotr Jan. You talked about Chinny Marlon Marais. That's a loss. He had, he had more moments in that fight Listen than that, almost though. anyone who has fought Piotr Jan. Listen to that, though. Listen to that, though. You said Chinny Marlon Marais, like, not a big victory. 2019, that's a lo- end of 2019. 2020, that is a loss for Jose Aldo. Think about that. I mean, that's a different Marlon Marais. That's a different Jose. It is a different Bob Font. All right. All right. That, well, and that was you know what? That. This is building up to an exciting Wednesday episode. If you're going to talk to me about that Marlon Marais decision, you didn't watch that fight. I'm just, I'm just telling you what it is. When was the last time that Dana We're doing said, this Wednesday. no, the judge Kobe, got it moderator, wrong? Moderator, moderator, intervene. He's angry. Intervene, moderator. Well, when, when was the last time I just love Dana gave a like loser a title shot? Settle your contestants. When was the last time? Well, I, I'm not, I feel like I'm going crazy. When was the last time Dana White gave a loser of a fight a title shot with no injury involved? He just said, no, the judge got it wrong. I don't know what they were watching. Aldo, Dude, you fight I, Listen, Piotr listen, listen. I hammered Jose Aldo that night. That was one of the worst beats of my life. That was on Usman Covington, the original. I was furious. I watched the fight. Trust me, it was a brutal decision. What I'm telling you, though, is no decision was needed with Bobby Font. Bobby Font stouched that motherfucker. And what I'm telling you Bobby right Fon's now. Bobby been at 135 for more than a week. That was Marlon Marais, or not, whatever. We'll, we'll, we'll find out. Yeah, don't I worry, don't, don't recommend to our and listeners you know what, betting Dan? heavily you know what, Dan? against what's the even King better? of Rio in any situation. You know what's even better, Dan? It's like so legit that this is a thing. We have a sponsor now, Dan. So we can make wagers on things like this when we stout, when we disagree to the nth degree. So stay tuned, everybody, because Dan's going to be not eating his words, but drinking Malort as as he watches Jose Aldo's head bounce on the canvas. Round three. Reese is going to be drinking Malort twice. Once when it goes down, once when it comes up. That, that's actually true. That That's actually not – that's good smack talk. But does, guess what, Dan? doesn't matter because we're tied, boy. Let's go. Also, quick side note, most even competition in the history of all competitions. Season one, Danny and I tied. Season two, we're tied with two weeks left. What the fuck is this, bro? Simulation. We're in a simulation. All right. Well, with that, Reese with the dub. Close yeah. us up. Well deserving. Poha!
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.